Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. Our topic today is from parent to advocate long day's journey, and our guest is Deborah Dawkins. After the loss of two infants and the premature birth of her son, Jeremy, Deborah became involved in programs enhancing family participation in health care. She is co-investigator for the Initiative for Pediatric Palliative Care, a national education and quality improvement project. She currently serves on the FDA's Pediatric Advisory Committee and is a longtime member of the Ethics Forum at Children's National Medical Center. She is the recipient of the Pediatric Nursing's 2003 Humanitarian and 1998 Excellence in Writing Awards. Welcome to the show, Deborah. Thank you. Deborah, it's great to have you on the show today. Um, could you tell, I'm just uh, so impressed with your whole program, and it's going to be very interesting to get into it about how you're involving families in medical, um, in, in care with palliative care, end-of-life issues, uh, and also, I guess, just illness issues, too, not just end-of-life. It's... Um, Illness, right, but life-threatening illness. Life-threatening illness. Could you talk a little bit about your own personal story and journey for us? Well, um, yes. It's a journey that I never imagined um, that I would take. Um, My husband and I got married later in life than some people do and then pretty carefully made the decision to have children and... Then our first child, our daughter Abigail, was born prematurely. She was born at 26 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, in um, my friend's car, wow, uh, her premature birth was, you know, so unexpected that, um, as I say, it was in my friend's car. And that was six. She was six months, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So she was fully formed baby. So Abby spent um, almost six months in a neonatal intensive care unit. Um, At the very end of her life, she was transferred to another hospital to a pediatric intensive care unit, which the transition was very difficult for us there. And then um, she died at that second hospital. Um, She coded and died. Um, so for us, in many ways, her her death was unexpected at that time. Um, not long after um, Abby's death, I became pregnant again, and um, we had a son who was also born prematurely. His name was Jonathan, and Jonathan lived um, for only a few hours. Um, in part because we knew what the course for a baby who was even more premature than Abby might be. And um, we made some decisions about what level of care we wanted. Very difficult. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. um, Now, did you have support in doing that from the staff? Um, I... I think that particular decision, um, we had good support from um, my um, specialist. Um, We didn't know 
you know, we didn't know other staff at that particular institution at the time. So the primary support came from, as I say, my specialist. Um, but it was a pretty lonely decision to make, mm-hmm. um, not one that you imagine making as a parent. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and then uh, as, I guess, as my own, uh, my husband and my determination um, grew, um, I became pregnant again, and um, my own care um, accelerated dramatically. Um, and for that pregnancy, I was actually on bed rest for four months, two of which were in the hospital. Oh, wow. But our surviving son, Jeremy, um, was born at 30 weeks gestation, which to us seemed um, very old based on our prior experiences, and he was very healthy for a 30-week baby uh-huh. um, and spent only a month in in the hospital. And so you must have been on pins and needles during that month, mm-hmm. weren't you? Um, pins and needles during that month, you know, wondering how he would do, but um, during the entire pregnancy as well, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, wondering yeah. whether something was going to happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for most people, a 30-week baby uh, seems very premature. You, know, you just have to put it in the context of somebody who had had other babies who were more premature. So, how, how much did he weigh when he was born, Jeremy? He weighed about three and a half pounds. Wow, so he was tiny. Well, like you said, as I contact. say, relative to a right. two-pound baby, a right. three and a half pound baby looks bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. and what is it about two and a half pounds, where it really becomes difficult under two and a half pounds? Well, uh, you know, you would have to. Um, Talk to a neonatology expert right now. To um, it's it's a combination of factors: weight, gestational age, mm-hmm. and you know a bit of luck or intervention. Mm-hmm. So tell us now. Tell us what you're doing I, I, as as a result of this. I, I is that why you've gone into this field of um, pediatric, being an advocate? Yes, but you know it. For me, it certainly has not been like other careers. I mean, I didn't one day after Jeremy um, was home and was relatively healthy, I didn't wake up and say, I think I'll become an advocate. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been more, um, you know, fits and starts and happenstance, um, you know, some thinking about it. But, I mean, I basically started with... Um, um, just realizing um, that it was a huge life-changing experience um, to have had two children who were born and did not survive and, you know, another child who was still medically fragile and, you know, this realization that I'm not the same person and it didn't feel right just to go back to what I was doing before, but I wasn't sure what it was um, that I did want to do. Now, now, what was the um, the distance time frame in between all your pregnancies about? Well, it it was quite close actually. Um, Abby died in the spring of um, 1987. And Jeremy was born in late summer of 1989. Wow. So, oh, wow. So you really went through a lot. Mm-hmm. 
in a short period of time. Um, I'm thinking about your being on bed rest, and, and that gives you a lot of time to think about your losses, too. Was that difficult? Well, interestingly, I think being on bed rest, and I don't know what other, um, you know, what other women would say who've done the same thing. I mean, it, it's very much a one day at a time um, lifestyle, if you will. And I was also the last two months in the hospital, so very much your your life is driven by um, the hospital environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're getting some support there. Um, yes, I um, I was in touch um, while I was on bed rest with Jeremy. I was in touch with them and saw on a regular basis um, a mental health professional who specialized in um, um, perinatal loss mm-hmm. and um, prematurity, um, and she was extremely helpful. Well, then what happened is it just didn't um, feel right to um, uh, go back to my full-time job. And what were you doing then? I was working at an organization called Youth for Understanding International Exchange, a program very much like AFS. Well, AFS is? Uh, The American Field Service. These are the international exchange programs for high school students. Oh, okay. So you were doing that kind of work? And, and it somehow seemed counterintuitive to um, have this um, infant whom we had fought very hard to have and then, you know, leave home and be gone for 60 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I first made the decision to stay home with Jeremy for a while and then slowly began to think about well, our you lives have been doing really... a lot of healing at that time too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But began to think about the fact that our lives had been changed, and what really did I want to do? Um, and um, hadn't quite figured that out um, when I was asked by a physician at the hospital where Jeremy was born whether I would be interested in being on a committee and helping to set up a program um, for parents who currently had babies in neonatal intensive care units, sort of a peer support program. Uh, And what hospital was that? The George Washington University Hospital in Washington, D.C. Oh, they're very forward-looking, aren't they? Yes. That's great. Yeah, Um, so you were at a place and you were actually approached. Yes, and... Um, did you have any thoughts about it after everything that had happened to you, or did that feel like something you wanted to do? And how long was it after Jer- after Jeremy was born that you did this? Well, I think Jeremy was actually almost two by that okay. time. That's one thing we like to tell our audience out there is that it's not going to happen to you right away. I mean, it takes time for you mm-hmm. to be finding new things. Mm-hmm. Which meant it had been like three to four years after the deaths of your children, right? Before you did this, well, Jeremy, um, not probably not quite that close to three years. Yes, mm-hmm. okay. Um, but I, I think that is a good point. That um, you know, there's there's a readiness um, that um, is. I don't know how as parents we know it, but you know, it felt at the time that the physician asked me to do this, 
It felt not at all like a burden. Um, it felt um, like a very helpful and hopeful thing for me because what I said to myself is um, maybe I will be able to do something that can help other parents mm-hmm. who are going through a similar experience and um, you know and somehow make so healing. Yeah, somehow make sense out of what happened to us by being able to help other families. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you started the pro, started working with George Washington and then you got a grant or got involved with a group. Then, um, yes, that program um, went on for um, actually a few years, and we expanded and did training programs. And then one thing led to the other, and I was asked to be on the boards of organizations like the Association for the Care of Children's Health and another organization called Parent Care, um, and, you know, did some speaking um, along the way, and as a result of all of that, got to meet um, more healthcare professionals who were very much a part of a kind of movement that's called family-centered care, which mm-hmm. has actually been around for a while. But healthcare professionals who are very, very supportive of families' roles in the healthcare system, and that really was the um, the impetus for um, the role that I currently am in with the national project called the Initiative for Pediatric Palliative Care. And in a nutshell for our audience, that is, let me, let me phrase it the way I um, have been reading about it, is that you uh, go around the country and you have a grant and uh, you bring your kind of team in and work with local hospitals who set up programs around the United States, Right. Well, mainly what we're doing is going around the country um, with a wonderful curriculum um, for clinicians that was developed through um, a large portion of the project. Um, There was research done, et cetera, but then curriculum development. And now we're essentially taking the curriculum on the road and um, Heidi and I have seen some of your videotapes. Y- right, yes, Heidi? I was going to say, Deborah, that I teach a graduate class in grief and loss at Columbia, and I show some of these your videos, and they are so fabulous. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. Um, oh my gosh, they're such great training tapes for clinicians. I mean, I love the one called "Reflections on Caring for Dying Children and Their Families," uh-huh. where you know cl- people in professionals are sitting around talking about their experiences working with these families. They're just very powerful. Yes. Yes, and particularly powerful, I think, are the videos um, which have interviews of real family members. Yeah, and children, right. too. And, right. Oh, yeah, right. really wonderful. Deborah, um, you just have an amazing story, and, and all the good things that you're doing uh, with your pediatric advisory committee and your programs and um I wanted to ask you, I know one of the things that you said you do in your program is that you involve parents, and could you talk a little bit about how you do that? Yes. Um, from The Initiative for Pediatric Palliative Care has been in existence now um, eight years, and from the very beginning, um, parents, the parent perspective or the parent voice was always part of the project. First of all, for me, as a bereaved family member, to be a co-investigator um, for and, a uh, health, twice it's huge. Parent. 
Um, but throughout the project, um, in the research, parents were um, interviewed. Um, the curriculum um, certainly involves um, parent perspectives, um, especially. And one of the great some, things is this is all online, right? Yes. And yes. they can go to where to get to www. dot ipcweb. dot org. Okay, and we'll have that on our blog, so you'll okay. be able to go to the blog and pick that up and go in and read about the the wonderful, interesting curriculum. What if a parent wanted to be involved? What would they do? Well, right now, as I said before, we are taking this curriculum and um, sort of taking it on the road um, and doing two and a half day retreats in different parts of the country. And each of the retreats is sponsored by um, one or several regional organizations. Um, for instance, the one that we did most recently was sponsored by the. Divinity School at Duke University. Ah, oh, great! And, and I you're going to be doing one in Texas. Yes. And then you're going to be doing one in my in, area in Monterey with the um, involved with the Lucille Packard and uh, Stanford Hospital there. Yes, so, and uh, UCSF we, as well as well as um, the principal sponsor will be um, um, the Children's Hospice um, Coalition in California, which is a fabulous. Um, organization, but when we do these retreats, we average about 120 participants, and 15 to 20 percent of the participants are family members. So go and online if you're interested in doing this. Um, I think that we would probably recommend that you're out a little bit, maybe three years or so, because then you're getting a little more perspective. We talked about it earlier that it's. Uh, you know, kind of difficult. These aren't these are sessions for parents to teach healthcare professionals or to partner with them, not as a therapy for a parent. So you wouldn't want to do it if if uh, you haven't moved along a little bit, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. The parents, um, typically, the parents who are involved in these workshops um, have been involved in other ways before. For instance, they've been on some kind of committee. Um, at a hospital, or they've been part of a bereavement support group. How about uh, siblings? Heidi's into that. Can mm -hmm. siblings, are you interested in having siblings join up, or is it just parents? Well, at this point, I mean, we, um, we often um, think about how we can um, involve siblings more, um, in part because of, you know, the age ranges. Um, it hasn't seemed to make as much sense to have siblings do this you know, be involved in the whole two and a half days. So we're exploring other options like panels and other ways that, um, you know, siblings could be involved. Of course, there are some adult siblings out there, right, Heidi? Yeah, right. that's well, I just true. love the way that the families are educating these, the professionals because who knows better than the families that have been that, down that road what well, worked, what didn't work, what was helpful, what wasn't helpful. Absolutely. But, you know, you know, we've got a caller now, and I want to take her so we don't lose that before break again. Okay. Uh, her name's Beth, and she's been involved in these programs. Uh, Beth's a brief parent of Dakota who died of cancer in 1996, just before his fifth birthday. And uh, we're going to have uh, Beth talk to us a little bit about being in your program, but also about her family-owned company that she started, Dakota Wins. Beth, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, Beth. Hi, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Great to have you on. Could you talk a little bit about your being in the program, or did you have a question, or just? 
Well, um, I was part of the Etsy program at Duke, and I was on the planning committee because that's where my son was treated um, from 1994 when he was diagnosed until he died in 1996. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've still been involved with some of the folks at Duke, even though I'm in a rural area a couple hours away, away from there. But as Deborah had mentioned earlier, I think that because it's a life-changing experience, um, you do want to stay involved in some way, um, it, whether it's volunteer work or whether it's on a panel. And when I heard about the IPSI program, the one thing that was different about it than any of the others is that everybody is on an equal plane. Um, it's your parents, uh, the, your health care providers, whether you're a physician or a social worker or a chaplain, uh, a nurse, um, we're all there for the same reason, and and no one is really talking to anyone. We're all talking with one another. And it, even though my son died 10 years ago, it was still a wonderful experience because my husband was able to go too. And we got back with some of the nurses who even treated my son and saw what their experiences were on a totally different um, perspective than when you're having your son treated and you're in a hospital, you know, worried about his care, you were, you just, it was, uh, I think everyone came or back um, with a, a feeling of now I can go back into my community. And as I said, I'm in a very rural area of North Carolina and I can come back and now hopefully help the physicians here, the hospice programs here have a better understanding of what it is like to have a child who is dying mm-hmm. and as a parent also to be able to understand what it is for a health care provider. That well, that, uh, thank you. That's great to know and, and having our audience out there to know that uh, this is something that they could maybe think about doing and being part of their community. It's, it's really helpful to give back, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Um, and I think that that's what you find that a lot of parents do um, to try to, as Deborah had mentioned even earlier, to make sense of something that makes absolutely no sense, and absolutely. you know, and and that's another reason why we we started our our website. Um, and as you mentioned, it it took us time. It's been ten years since Dakota died, and yet you try to do little things here and there, and nothing quite feels right. And you know when it's time. It just feels well, uh, like Deborah. Right. I mean, Beth, uh, could you? Um, Give us your website. It's, you can drop the www. It's Dakota Wins. <laughs> it's dakotawins.org, uh, D-A-K-O-T-A-W-I-N-D-S.org. All right. And we'll uh, put you on our website. And thank you so right, much I for calling it. in. And, uh, thank you. Have a thank good day. Thanks, Deborah. Thanks a lot. Well, Deborah, that's quite a um, spot for your program there. Yeah, it this is sounds good, doesn't it, Heidi? Such a great program. I'm so Hi, babe. How you doing? Hey, babe. How are you? Hi, Gloria. Hi, Heidi. Hi, Deborah. Hi. Yeah. I was listening to the show today, and uh, it hit a nerve with me, the prenatal, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, what, our, what our experience was at our group, people that lost children before birth, at birth, or very young after birth, were lost at our meetings, you know. Mm-hmm. They couldn't identify with anybody that really with grown children and all. Uh-huh. So me and Michelle knew that we we just had to find a group for these people, you know, and she she did she did a lot of legwork and she found after going around and around 
right in the same hospital we have our meeting, there's a woman in Dodge. She has a prenatal meeting, and it's it's just for people who lost children before birth, at birth, or a couple years or whatever after birth, you know, and it helped them a lot. That that meeting is going pretty strong. Where is that, babe? It's in Staten Island? It's in the University Hospital of Staten Island, yes. It's Very in the, good uh, so good for our listeners, if you're out there, Babe does, he and his wife Michelle do a Compassionate Friends group in Staten Island, right, Babe? Yeah. yeah. So if you want to join, join that, you can uh, get in touch with us. And also now he's told us about this pediatric uh, program. And, and Babe will be our, our guest next week. On next Absolutely. Week's show. He'll be on the show next week as a stepdad, right, Babe? Yeah, I will. Hey, thank Looking you for calling in, and uh, we'll be talking to you next week. Thank okay, you, Babe. Babe. Tell Michelle hi. Bye-bye, okay, Babe. Okay, bye. Thanks. Um, we want to take our next caller, which is Wanda Baker, and Wanda is a nurse um, who is the neonatal and pediatric care coordinator of the Carolina Healthcare System in Charlotte. Hi, Wanda. Hello. Hi, Wanda. Thanks. Hi, Wanda. Hello. Thanks for calling in. I understand that you uh, attended one of the programs. I did, actually. I was part of the planning committee for the, the Durham Ipsy Retreat this year. Uh, could you tell us uh, it, how has it changed you as a health healthcare care person being involved? Um, well, it, it, it probably has enhanced my ability to work with the team members here at the hospital. I coordinate the palliative care program for neonatal and pediatrics here, and uh, I've basically started a program in this past year and a half that is looking to introduce palliative care to families who have been given a diagnosis of a life-threatening condition for their child. And, uh, and then we, we try to set up a support for them and then be able then to, to take that into the community when they go home as well. And the Ipsy Retreat um, essentially looks at all the players involved, uh, from parents right through to um, chaplains to nurses to physicians, and uh, helps to, to try to um, better educate and, and have people better understand what the needs are, um, no matter where that care setting is. That's just, it, it's really so forward-looking and wonderful that this mm-hmm. is happening with this uh, community care. I'm a, I'm a nurse myself in background, and it's really different. We used to try to do therapy in the rooms of patients and get doctors in and everybody when I was at the University of Rochester, and it was a, it was a hard deal to sell. So it's great that people are really looking into doing this now. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, well, we want to thank you for calling in, Wanda. And if there's anything that you'd like us to, uh, to put up on our blog about your program or what you're doing, uh, send it off to us. And we're hoping that you'll use our show as a resource also. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot for calling Thanks, in. Wanda. Thanks, okay. Wanda. Bye-bye. Well, Deborah, um, it's almost time for us to close our show, and it's been great to have you on. And uh what a wonderful journey you've had, right, Heidi? Yes, it's amazing, and this program is unbelievable, and I hope everybody in the country knows about it. it yes, like and uh, can, um, uh, if an individual wants to get, say, your um, videos or anything, can they do that? Again, the the website is the best resource um, for, um, there's information about the curriculum and the videos and even the history of the project. Good, and give us that website again. IPPCweb.org. Okay. And, and we'll put it on our website. Okay. Too. And thank you so much, Deborah, for being on our show and for all the good work you're doing. Would you have uh, any last parting comments for our audience? I think what I would say to other bereaved parents that um, each one of us knows ourselves 
when we're ready to become involved um, in some way and to sort of take our experience outward. And, and when you are ready, um, look for something that, that fits for you as a person. I mean, parents have made videos. Parents have written books. Parents organize, you know, groups or lead support groups. Um, but it's important that it's something that fits for you as an individual and helps you make meaning out of your own experience. Uh, what a wonderful way to close the show. And thank mm-hmm. you, Deborah Dock. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.